We turn in God's Word tonight to Psalm 20. The text that we look at will be in Proverbs 18, but in connection with that, we're going to read Psalm 20. The heading over the psalm tells us that this is a psalm of David. It's one of the many psalms that speak to us of the beautiful truth that God is a refuge for us, and especially that His name is our refuge. So Psalm 20, the Lord hear thee in the day of trouble, the name of the God of Jacob defend thee, send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion, remember all thy offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifice. Grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation, and in the name of our God we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord, let the King hear us when we call. And thus far we read there in Psalm 20. Now we turn to Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18. And we're going to read there verses 10 and 11. The text tonight will be verse 10. Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. The rich man's wealth is his strong city and as a high wall in his own conceit. We live today in a dangerous world. And as I was thinking about that, I was reminded of the familiar phrase in the familiar hymn, Amazing Grace. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. That's what we face in this life, many dangers, toils, and snares. It's all around us. We lock the doors of our cars. We lock our houses. Maybe we even lock the doors of the church building because we understand it's happened, that there's not safety even when a church is gathering for worship at times. We can feel under attack. We can feel that as we live in the world every day. Maybe some of you men feel it in the, and experience it in the workplace. We know that as Christians that we're under attack. There are attacks. There's fighting. There's people who are angry all over the place. Hurtful, dreadful things happen in this world. And we're not immune from those things. 
Sometimes they happen in the church. Sometimes they happen at school. And we may begin to wonder when we face all of these things, is there any place where we're safe? Is there any safety? And the answer to that is yes. There is safety for us, but it's not found in a place. It's not found in people. It's not found in an institution. We certainly want the church to be a safe place, and we want our schools to be a safe place, and we want our homes to be a safe place, but at times we're hurt even there. But there is a place of refuge, and there is a place of safety. It's not so much a place. It's in God himself. Our refuge, our safety is found in the living God. That's what this text is teaching us. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Safety is not found in the arm of flesh. Safety is not found in man. Safety is not found in us. Safety is not found even in numbers. That's what the psalmist was saying in Psalm 20. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord of hosts. We know that there is safety in one, in our God, who is Jehovah. And so tonight we want to consider that, that safety that is found in this God who is our strong tower. So that's our theme tonight, our strong tower. We notice first the believer's refuge, secondly the believer's faith, and then finally the believer's safety. The text is teaching us that the name of the Lord is our strong tower. Where we want to begin tonight is understanding that concept and idea of the name of the Lord. It's a concept and idea that is familiar to us. It's familiar to us because we have preaching that covers the Ten Commandments and preaching that covers the Lord's Prayer, and that phrase is found in both of them. In the third commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. In the Lord's prayer, hallowed be thy name. We have heard about this name of God and why it's in the singular in those two places. And then also here in Proverbs 18 verse 10. The name of Jehovah is not just one name of God, but the name of Jehovah is the full revelation of God as it is found in his word. The name of Jehovah is really all of who God is as revealed to us. So that the name of Jehovah includes the works of Jehovah it includes the names, all of the names of God that are found in Scripture. It includes all of the names of Jesus, our Savior, and all of the names of the Holy Spirit. It includes all of the, the works of God and the attributes or the perfections of God. All of that together makes up the name of Jehovah. 
Now, the reason that I made a sermon on this text is because I'm preaching a series on some of the names of God, and I use this text as a beginning to that series in which we're studying some of the names of God that are found in Scripture, some of the ones that we know very well and that are used frequently, like this name Jehovah, Lord in all capital letters as it's found here in this text. And we're going to look a little bit at that name tonight, but also at some of the lesser known names of God. But the name of the Lord is our strong tower, and that's why it's important to know the names of our God. There are many of them. But the name of God is not just the names of God. The name of God includes His works as revealed in Scripture, its creation and providence and election and reprobation and redemption and reconciliation and all of the rest, all of that's included in the name of the Lord. And that name of the Lord is revealed most fully to us in our Savior Jesus Christ. Remember His name, Jesus. Jehovah saves And the Savior who has come as our chief prophet. And part of the reason that he's come is to reveal the greatness and the glory of God to us. God is most fully revealed in his Son who has become flesh. In him especially we see the greatness of the love and the mercy of God for sinners who are unworthy of that love and mercy. We see in Jesus Christ who God is. That's the name of the Lord. Now, the outstanding name of God in Scripture is the name that we find here in the text. It is the name Jehovah. It's said to occur some 6,800 times in Scripture. The number of times it's found there indicates the importance of this name. This name, Jehovah, was a name that was first revealed at least least in its meaning at the burning bush to Moses out in the desert. You'll remember that Moses was out taking care of his father-in-law's animals And he's out there in the wilderness because he had run ahead of God. He thought Israel should have been delivered much sooner from the bondage in Egypt. And he killed an Egyptian. And because of that, Moses had to flee for his life. And he's out in the desert learning the lessons that he needed to learn in preparation for the time when God would use him to deliver Israel. Israel out of Egypt. And then Moses sees this bush that's on fire in the desert. But what was striking about that bush was that while it was on fire, it wasn't consumed by the fire. We all know that a bush that's on fire in the desert, because it's so dry, very soon it'll burn out. But this bush did not burn out. It remained on fire, and the bush itself did not change. And so Moses comes near. And that's when God tells him to take off his sandals because he's standing upon holy ground. And now God there is sending Moses back to deliver the people of Israel out of 
Egypt. It's there at the burning bush when God reveals the meaning of this name Jehovah. When he tells Moses to go back to the people and says, this is the name you use when you go back. I am that I am. That's the explanation of the name Jehovah. What does that name mean? Well, a couple of things that we see and understand about this name because it is so central in Scripture. First of all, it tells us that there is no one like God. He is the God who is the self-existent one. He's a God who comes to us and says, I'm in need of none other. He's a God who's full and complete in himself. Along with that, he then is the God who is eternal, having no beginning and no end. He's the almighty God, the God who's able to deliver his people out of the bondage of Egypt, and he did. He's the God who always accomplishes his purpose. There is none who is like him as the self-existent God. But also, this name Jehovah reveals to us that he is a faithful covenant God. He's a covenant-keeping God. Malachi 3 verse 6 brings that out. I am Jehovah, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. He's speaking to this people after they had returned from the captivity and they were not living like they should be living. And he's rebuking them and admonishing them and yet he comes to them and says, I'm Jehovah, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Just like we, as the people of God, love to hear the name Father, that God is our Father, and we hear the love of God revealed in that name. So the people of Israel long ago loved to hear the name Jehovah, because it said the same thing to them. He's faithful. He loves them. And his love for them changes not. The text that we're looking at tonight is saying that that name of the Lord, the name of the Lord which is all the revelation of God to us, but especially that there is no one who is like him, that he is faithful and unchanging in his love, a God who keeps his promises. This name of the Lord is a strong tower. And this is what that means. The name of the Lord is the believer's never-failing refuge. You and I have a never-failing refuge. His name is our defense, a never-failing defense. That's what the text is bringing out in the whole concept of a strong tower. Now, you and I might not be so familiar with the whole idea of a strong tower, but Solomon, as he is writing these words, no doubt has in mind the towers that were found in the strong cities of that day. In those times, most of the strong cities would have been surrounded by a thick wall with heavy gates that could be closed so that the citizens of that city could be protected from the attacks of the enemies. 
But as part of the wall system of these cities and towns, there would be towers. And in those towers, there would be sentinels who were looking out small windows that were found in those towers in every direction around the city to see if any enemy was approaching. And if an enemy was approaching, they would sound the alarm, the gates would be closed, anybody who is living outside the walls of the city and the gates of the city, they would come into the city, then the gates would be closed, and they would be safe and protected from the enemy. And then when the enemy would come close, those same sentinels up in those towers would use those slits, which were windows to watch. Now they would use them to shoot arrows down at the enemy, to destroy the enemy and push the enemy away so that they in that city would be protected. That's the idea of a strong tower. If any of you have had the opportunity to go maybe to Northern Ireland or to Scotland or to Wales. You can find many castles there and you'll see the same towers that I'm talking about that functioned in the same way. You would have this castle, but in the middle of that castle or near to the edge of that castle would be this strong tower. Not everybody lived in the castle. The castle was smaller, but many people would live around the castle and then when there are enemies who came and they approached those enemy armies, then the, the alarm would sound. And if they were out in the fields uh, picking potatoes or they were out in the fields taking care of their sheep, they would hear the alarm and they would go within the walls of the castle. The, the gate would be shut. And in that strong tower, there would be provisions and supplies for them and the soldiers up there shooting down at the enemies to protect the citizens of that area. Although this is somewhat foreign to us, you can think of it from this perspective, a strong tower. Where's the place that you would go if there's a tornado warning? We would find a place of safety down in the basement, no doubt, so that there would be safety and protection there. But beloved, see the beautiful word of the text to us. There is safety for us. It's not in a literal tower. It's not even in a place. It's not found ultimately in a spouse. It's not found in parents. It's not found in friends. It's not found in an institution or anything in this world. The text is teaching us that our refuge, our strong tower that is never failing is the living God himself Jehovah. No doubt that's why so many are in turmoil in the day in which we live because they're trying to find their strong tower in something here on this earth. And men are always looking for something in which to place their trust. In Proverbs 18, Solomon speaks of one thing especially in which men place their trust. That's verse 11. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. Many in our world today are looking to their wealth and prosperity for their protection. Another tower that we find in the world today is the reputation and legacy that a man will leave in this world Others find refuge in escapes. They, they find refuge in, in a life of sin. If they don't know what to do, they go to drinking. If they don't know what to do, they go to drugs. If they don't know what to do, they go to pornography. 
Others are hurting their bodies trying to find help in that. Others are looking to a fantasy life. And there's plenty to find when it comes to a fantasy life. Virtual reality. Reverend Decker just wrote in the Standard Bearer about metaverse, another virtual reality that's, that's coming and on the increase so that you don't have to live the life that you're living. You can find this escape world, a fantasy world, and live in that for a period of time. But all that does is blur the distinction between reality and fantasy. And in the end, there's no refuge that is found in any of those things. The Word of God says there is only one strong tower of safety. Anything else crumbles, anything else is weak, anything else is like a cardboard tower. They cannot protect, protect, they cannot provide safety. And that's why the psalmist says what he does in Psalm 20. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but there's no protection there. We will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Jehovah alone is our strong tower. And as the people of God, we know that. In many ways, we've learned that. In many ways, God has taught us that. That in the end, He's the only one that we can rely on. He is the only one in whom there is safety and help. So that's the idea there at the beginning of the text. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. That means Jehovah God himself, who he is as revealed to us, especially in that name Jehovah, he is our refuge and strength. When we know that, and we do by faith, we run to him. That's what the text says. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Notice here in the text who it is that runs to the Lord. It's the righteous. The righteous. Who are the righteous? Well, two things we want to see and notice here. It is only the righteous. That means that not all run to the Lord. Not all find safety in the Lord. There would be many today who would say, well, many want the Lord. They're, they're seeking the Lord. In fact, all in this world, in one way or another, really seeking the Lord. No, the wicked, they have no desire to flee to the living God. That's why they run to the things of this world. They don't know the living God, and so they run from Him, and they're always running to the things of this life. Think about the things they run to. They run to their false gods and false religions that provide no comfort and no refuge and no strength. They run to their riches, but their riches are lost. They run to their escapes, but that only leaves them with more pain and despair and dissatisfaction in life. This is the world in which we live. People are trying to run to things, and they're finding no hope. They're finding no comfort. The righteous runneth to this strong tower. But it's striking that the child of God here is called one who is righteous. What I was struck with as I was going over this in preparation for bringing this word to you tonight is 
what I preached this morning in my own congregation. This morning I had Lord's Day 23. Lord's Day 23 is the Lord's Day of the Heidelberg Catechism about justification. Remember it says, after confessing all that we confess in the Apostles' Creed, what's the profit of believing all of these things? That I am righteous in Christ before God and an heir of eternal life. I'm righteous. It's the word here. Righteous. The text here is talking about justification. And one of the things that I said in the sermon this morning is that justification and the reality that we're righteous before God, that's everything for us. And when you know that, then you know and understand that there's peace with God. You know and understand the friendship that there is with God. And that's the idea that we have here as well. How is it that we're righteous before God? Well, that's a great question because we know, and that's Lord's Day 23, my conscience accuses me that I've transgressed all the commandments of God and kept none of them. Not one of them. And it's true about me. I'm a sinner, yet at the same time, I'm righteous before God. That was a phrase that Martin Luther used in the Latin. I won't slaughter the Latin tonight before you. But that was the idea. At the same time, I'm a sinner and righteous. That's you and I. We're sinners, but at the same time, we're righteous before God. How can that be? Well, it can be because we have an imputed righteousness. The righteousness of Christ is given to our account. It's not infused in us so that we're made righteous and then we, we, in that righteousness, we perform our righteousness before God. No, we have an alien righteousness, a given righteousness. The righteousness of Christ is given to us while at the same time, all of our guilt and punishment is given to Him All of that found in that one word, righteous. Beloved, if you know by faith that you are righteous before God, then you run to Jehovah, the strong tower. Because then you know his love. You know that he is a God who is not against you. You know that he is a God who is not there to punish for sin. But instead, he is a God who punished your sin already in Jesus Christ who died upon the cross. And you know his love. When you know that love, when you know that you are righteous before God, then we run to God because we are at peace with him. We know that he is our refuge. We know that he is our strength. He's Jehovah whose love for us changes not. He declares his love. He declares for us what he's done, what he's done for us in Jesus Christ. And it doesn't change. You're forgiven. You're loved. You're his. So this idea here in the text, the righteous run into this tower, that running is the activity of faith. It's not running to be saved, it's running because we are saved. It's running because we are righteous and we know that we are righteous. We run to him because we know him. You see, this running is based on the knowledge of him. 
That's why the knowledge of God is so important. That's why theology is so important. That's why when we read and study the scriptures, we learn what the scriptures are teaching us about God. Because when we know him and we know him in love, then we run to him and we go to him just like one of our children when they're afraid. And they go to mom and dad. Help us. So we run to him, knowing he is our refuge and strength. The activity of running is the activity of seeking refuge and help in time of need in God and in God alone. That's what David was saying in Psalm 20, verse 7. We will remember the name of the Lord our God. We're going to run to Him, not to horses and not to chariots. That's also what we find in Psalm 61. Psalm 61, verse 3. That psalm that we've just sung. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. And so the psalmist here is crying out to God. That's verse 1. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. He knows it in the past. He knows that will be true in the present. He knows that will be true in the future as well. But now that's the idea of running to the Lord. It's the activity of faith, knowing that we are righteous in Jesus Christ. How does the child of God then run to the strong tower, which is the name of the Lord? How do we do that? The best way that I could think of to set that before you is to give biblical examples of that. See how some of God's people did that as it's recorded in Scripture. Think of Jacob. Jacob at a place called Peniel. Before he meets his brother Esau, he hasn't seen his brother Esau for almost 20 years. And Jacob's afraid of meeting Esau. Kids, you remember why he's afraid of meeting Esau? The last time he saw him, he had stolen the birthright blessing from his brother, and his brother wanted to kill him. And so he had to run for his safety. Now he's coming back as God promised, but he's afraid. And he takes certain measures to protect himself. He separates his goods and his family and all of that. But then he does go to God in prayer. He prays to God. And then part of that, after praying to God, remember that's the night when Jacob wrestles with God. And God was teaching Jacob essentially this, that he is his strong tower. Don't fight against me, God was saying to him. Trust in me. I will take care of you. I promised I would return you back to the land. Now I am doing that. So Jacob was learning that. Another example of that is Hezekiah. Hezekiah, when he was king of Judah, the Assyrian army comes and surrounds Jerusalem. You'll remember Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. He threatens, he threatens Jerusalem and he threatens Hezekiah through Rabshakeh, his captain, the captain of his army. 
And remember what he said. He said, well, the Lord has sent me here and the Lord has sent me here to defeat you and the Lord will not protect you. You might as well give up now. Hezekiah is afraid. What does he do? He runs to the Lord. What does he do? He prays to the Lord. And the Lord answers his prayer, sends an angel to kill the leaders of that army. And then that army is taken away and they're delivered. God gave a great deliverance to Hezekiah and the army of Judah. And they did nothing to accomplish it. Think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to go to the cross for all our sins and the pain of it. And the awfulness of it is weighing upon him. What does he do? He prays. He prays to the Lord. What did Paul do in Acts 27 in that shipwreck on the way to Rome? He prays to God and he speaks to God or about God to everyone else who is on that ship. These are instances of men who ran to the Lord. That's what we are to do. Run to the Lord because in Him there is safety. You think about the many ways in which we need Him. How I might need Him as a pastor. How the elders might need Him in their work. How the deacons might need Him in their work. How we might need Him in our calling as parents. How we need Him and may need Him right now in the grief and the sorrow that may overwhelm us. Where is our refuge? Our refuge is in the name of the Lord. When we know that, what do we do? We run to Him. There's a few things we can say about the specifics of that. What does that running look like? Well, it's praying. The way of running to the strong tower is the way of prayer. Many of the Psalms speak of that as well. I call your attention To one of them, Psalm 50, verse 15, where God himself says, And call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. We should be in prayer, constantly in prayer. Praying sometimes as we're on the way somewhere, in our cars, of course, not with our eyes closed, but praying in those moments, praying in those moments when we hurt, because this is what we do when we trust in the name of the Lord. We pray to Him, we call upon His name. Along with that, we meditate on Him. And meditating on Him means we're we're in the Word of God. We're hearing what God has to say to us about himself and what it is he is doing and what it is he is accomplishing. We hear his promises. We hear who he says that he is. And we meditate upon these things. You see, running to the strong tower is not just getting in our cars and coming to church. That's part of it. It is. And it's not just when we're gathered together for family worship around our tables. That's a time when we're running to the Lord. But it's something that happens sometimes frequently throughout a day. 
It's thinking about God. It's meditating on Him. It's meditating upon what we read in God's Word that morning. It's praying to God as we're going through a difficult time, whether that's in ordinary life or a difficult season of our lives. Meditating on the name of the Lord, thinking on God, and then praying to Him. That's all included in that running to Him. This includes running to Him when we know that we've sinned. When we sin, we've committed some sin that's grievous, that has hurt someone else, or that we know to be grievous against God, and all sin is. So that when we are, have our sin exposed, what we do with that sin is we run to the Lord when we know that He is a God who is merciful and kind. We don't try to cover up. We run to Him. We confess it. And we ask for the care and the protection of the cross of Jesus Christ. This is what we do when we face death. And what families here have done, and as a church you've done as well, that in death you remember the victory of Jesus Christ that he's accomplished over sin and death. And we run to that in our minds and in our hearts. What a victory God has accomplished in Jesus Christ for us and for all those who fall asleep in Jesus. When I originally made this sermon, I was reminded of a story about a man who was a preacher. The name of that man was John Harper. He was a preacher who was on the Titanic when it sank. Remember that uh, luxury cruise ship, the Titanic, that sunk when it hit an iceberg that was mostly hidden below the water, and many people died there on that ship, including this preacher, John Harper. This John Harper was known during the entirety of the, the trip for preaching while he was there, and no doubt there were many ungodly uh, on that ship at that time, and he was constantly preaching them to them Jesus and calling them to repentance and calling them to faith. But as the ship was sinking, the story has it that this John Harper was going towards the last seat on one of those small boats so that he could be rescued and kept safe. He and another man were going for that last seat on that ship. But he asked the man, do you know the Lord? And the man said, no. And so this John Harper gave up his seat on that life raft, lifeboat, so that he died there on the Titanic. He ran to the Lord for his safety. He wasn't afraid of death. So that even as he faced death, he ran to the Lord, found safety in the victory of Jesus Christ, and made the decision that he made based on that. He was a righteous man running to the Lord. When we know the Lord as our unfailing refuge, then we run to him, trusting that in him there is safety. And that's where I want to end tonight. The believer's safety. What a word for us today. 
there is safety. With whatever it is that you are facing right now, you are safe. You and I are safe because Jehovah is our strong tower. And as our strong tower, he has accomplished a victory that cannot be undone. That's our confidence tonight. That's our safety. We have a God who has accomplished a victory that cannot be undone. So go back with me a moment to those who may be in Northern Ireland or uh, in Scotland. And they're out working in the fields. They're picking potatoes or they're tending the sheep. And a bell rings. And that bell ringing is a signal that an enemy is approaching. They need to leave whatever it is that they were doing and come into the safety of the castle and the strong tower that was there. And so they did that. They left everything. They ran to that strong tower. The gates of the castle were closed. The enemy attacked. But those who were defending that castle they pushed them away with their arrows and they were safe within the walls of that castle. The enemy couldn't touch them. That's you and I. We have that kind of safety both now and forever. You and I are always safe. That doesn't mean that we won't hurt. That doesn't mean we won't be attacked. We will be attacked. That doesn't mean we won't have hardship and difficulty in this life. We will. But we're safe. We're secure. Our salvation is safe and secure. Even, even with the attacks of the evil one, Satan, who is described in the Bible as a roaring lion, as a great red dragon, as one who is seeking to devour the church like a hungry dragon... He cannot defeat us. He cannot devour us because we are safe in the strong tower of Jehovah. We are always safe because our salvation is secure. We're safe when illness comes. We're safe when death comes. We're safe when we sin because there's an answer to that sin. We're safe in all the struggles of life. Beloved, if nothing else, may you and I leave here knowing safety. We have safety in the Lord. And when we're safe, we don't live in fear. There are dangers. There are attacks. They are all very real. There are moments when we will be afraid, but we do not live in fear because of the words that we read here. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. May you and I run in this week to that strong tower and do so knowing that there is perfect security and safety in our God and in our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we give thanks and praise to thee, our God, for this word tonight. Thou art a God who knows the circumstances of our lives. Thou art a God who knows where we need safety. And we pray that ultimately we would always look for and find our safety 
in thee. Because thou art our strong tower. Thou hast accomplished a sure victory in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thou art a God who sees us as righteous in the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. Father, may we know that safety in this week. We pray, O oh God, especially for the Muhlenberg family as they uh, take up their work and callings in this week, go with them, but also go with us as a church. We hurt, we grieve together, but we know that there is safety with Thee. May we know this as we begin our lives again in this week. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.